Welcome to the Squadcast. It's another lovely day. It's getting colder though. Winter is here. Sarah, are you uh, feeling that and tighter? Uh, yes, wearing merino, so yeah. definitely feeling it. Yeah, we lit our fire last night. Mm-hmm. So it's getting colder, but it's still a lovely day here in Upper Hutt. And we're in for a great time together on the Squadcast, where we're going to be unpacking a couple of questions that came through yesterday. And uh, But primarily we are looking at Philippians chapter 2, the letter to the church in Philippi. And we are unpacking this idea of what it means to live as Christ, as Paul said in, in the letter. So, shall we uh, dive in? Do you have any thoughts, first of all, Sarah, from... Uh, yesterday yeah I guess just for me the whole idea of to live as Christ is huge we I feel like I spend too much of my time to live as Sarah yeah. uh, and about my own agendas and yeah what I want and actually to live as Christ um, Paul was saying to die is gain I'm not in a place in my life where I'm like man take me out here Jesus let's go like but to live in such a way to think that yeah, he's not holding on to his own little kingdom. Mm. He's all about the kingdom and whatever is benefit, that's what he wants. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I I shared something earlier in um, staff meeting but that I've been sort of wrestling with, but I, I just see it, this whole idea coming through, um, I mean, any of the epistles, but especially it seems in Philippians where Paul was really emphasising the the sense of it's no longer I who lives, but mm. Christ who lives in us. And uh, Paul seems to be really focusing in on that, these ideas. Um, we'll see that in the next chapter where he really nails into humility. Um, but I, the thought that I, I've had is that um, thinking about my own life and how I've often made things idols, um, you know, and Paul seems to be really undoing that you know in, in the passage we looked at yesterday where he's saying you know people are using my imprisonment for their own selfish gain I mean he let's be honest he had every right to maybe name them shame them go you know you guys I'm stuck here but can you guys go and address this mm. you know these guys are using my imprisonment for selfish gain they're building their own empires and he just goes what does it matter what does it matter as long as Christ has been preached? That's that's all I care about, you know. And so it's like he's so disconnected from uh, anything of himself mm. that people are literally eating him, you know, like yeah. they're taking from him, devouring him, and he just sees it as nothing, you know. And I was thinking about that in the context of how we we make can so easily make positions and titles and, and achievement and success idols in our lives. Uh, and and I think that's probably something we understand. Like we've probably heard sermons on that and we get challenged on that. And But I, I heard someone recently say that I realised that uh, the things weren't idols. I had made myself an idol. Mm. And I was thinking about that and thinking, wow, um, so what, what are all the things? And I realized, oh, th- these are just the things that we use to worship our idol. You know, it's yeah. like we feed the idol with our, 
with our achievements, success, yes. with our things, you know, the things that we buy to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, all that sort of stuff. It's like we're feeding the idol and the idol is us. Mm. And so all of these things are just how we worship ourselves. Yeah. And I was, uh, I've been challenged by that. That's kind of the whole false self thing too, eh? Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you're right, you're just feeding yeah. a so, gluttonous idol of... Yeah. Totally. And it seems that Paul has just got to this place that all his worship is towards Christ. Yeah. And there's none of none of the stuff is feeding his own ego, mm. feeding his own sense of identity or any of that. He just he's just to live as Christ. Yeah. And, you know, my prayer is that I would, you know, in some sense be able to, to follow him. As he follows Christ, you know. You say that really carefully. Is that because you know the journey that Paul went to to get to that point? You know, when he talks about, I've been shipwrecked, I've been this, I've been that. Like the amount of suffering he had to go to to get this, to this point. Totally. It's almost a really careful prayer you need to pray, eh? Oh, yeah, that's a real dangerous prayer. <laughs> yeah, which is totally why he is going, look, look, dying is gain for me. Yeah. I get to be with Jesus. Mm. But to live, I know what it means to live for Christ. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable, and it's going to cost. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> and anyway. it to be there later in life too. There is definitely um, when I've read people like Ronald Rollheiser, and they talk about that last, like giving your death. Right. Up. And there is kind of that sense of, yeah, there's a point in life where it is easier to die. Um, but what does that look like to keep giving your life to the kingdom? Yeah. While you are here. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is probably a season for that too. Yeah. That we're not reaching it in our thirties, but at the other end. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and I think as well. I mean, I, I um, someone said to me, not Sunday gone, but after the Sunday after, they they mentioned like this idea about, um, oh, you know, you must be sort of preaching to yourself as well um, when you're preaching. I'm like, absolutely. Like that. Like two Sundays ago, something came out of my mouth that I hadn't put down on my yeah. notes, and I was like, wow, that was. That was preaching to me right there, mm. um, but the whole idea that when it comes, you know, to, to ministry or, or to whatever, um, that we are only actually free to serve it when we're not trying to take something from yeah. it. You know, it's in, and it's the same in our marriages. You know, Absolutely. if I'm trying to take something from Ali, I'm not free to truly love her yeah. because I'm trying to get something from this relationship that. I have to take, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and so it's the same in, in ministry, you know. If we're trying to get our fulfillment out of ministry, then we are actually, we're not free to serve it because we're trying to take something That's from right. it, you know. And yeah, so, God wants to kill that. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah, and Paul, Paul is there. Mm. I can't say I'm there, mm. definitely not. But, um, um, yeah, it's just a really good challenge for me right now. So we had a, a couple of questions come in we did uh so the first question uh so they ask in verse nine he lays on lays the point on love what love was he talking about would you say it's undiscerning love what's your thoughts yeah okay so verse nine um and so he starts with this and and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, I, I, haven't, I didn't actually spend a lot of time on that particular verse um, during the week, 
so my initial thoughts to that are that Paul was not uh, necessarily saying to the Philippians, hey, you guys are lacking discernment here mm. and you need to grow up or you need to get some maturity. Um, what I what I think Paul was saying here is that he is um, continually calling people into a place of maturity and the pinnacle of Christian maturity looks like love. Mm. And so he's saying... He's encouraging them and saying, "Hey, I am, I'm praying for you. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight." So he's praying that they would be filled with more love, yep. that they would know love more intimately, that they would live out of this love mm-hmm. that Jesus has has poured out into their hearts. And we see um, from both Paul and Peter. Uh, in their epistles, they um, give what I guess we could call the, like a progression of spiritual formation. Um, and I, I want to read one from um, in 2 Peter 1, and it, it goes like this. So this is Peter writing. He says, Now since you have become partakers of the divine nature, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence and your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Mm. And so um, there's a few of these kind of spiritual formation progressions in the New Testaments, but they all end with agape. They all end with love. And so it's like Paul was saying, like, love is the linchpin of this what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm. Um, and um, Colossians 3 um, uh, concludes with this, and it says, And beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And, and Romans 5 concludes its progressions with the words, Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so I just see this passage as Paul it's just he's just reiterating this idea that that we are to continue to grow in love mm. and that's his prayer that's what yeah. he's praying over the church in philippi and it's kind of a catching the love of christ and that gives us a more profound yes because you talk about the profound yes a lot and i think yeah. that verse 10 for i want you to understand what really matters so you may live pure and blameless until the day of christ's return um and you're talking about agape, like it reminds me of, of Peter. I mean, Peter's you know writing that passage from before, but when he was on the side, you know, having fish on the beach with Jesus, and Jesus is like, "Do you love me?" And they have this whole conversation. And obviously, there's restoration happening in that. Mm. And then Jesus is like, "You will die for me. Come follow me." Yeah. And Peter's yeah. all in. Yeah. Um, because he had a bigger yes because of the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, and he now understood what really mattered. Yeah. Yeah. And which he didn't have before the death of Jesus. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think you know that's where that's where Paul's heading with that. Um, I, I don't, I don't think he is addressing their lack lack mm. of discernment or anything like that. Um, but actually, continue to encourage the church as we yeah. should be encouraging one another. You yeah. know, and, and I think we can see through Philippians and, and every epistle the echoes of our last series mm. because it's. Their last series of becoming and finding 
Jesus in one another, you know, that the whole loving one another thing is all through the epistles. Yeah. And so we're going to keep coming across that uh, as we as we work through even Philippians next week. We'll, yeah. we'll see that. Yeah. So maybe to follow on from that question. So what does love with discernment look like for you? So it'd be having discernment as you're loving other people. Yeah, people are thinking, I need to love everyone mm. without boundaries, potentially without limits. Yeah, I think that's that's a good a good question. And I, and I think that could look like that. So um, again, I'll probably come back to this idea of um, permissive love versus redemptive love. Mm. Um, I I feel like uh, permissive love uh, is love from a place of helplessness. Um, and I, and I think one of the things I, I really feel like when we look at the life of Jesus, um, I don't find anywhere that Jesus is ever sorry for someone. Mm. He has compassion for someone, um, but I feel sorry for people when I can't help them. Yeah. So I feel sorry when I'm helpless, but I have compassion and empathy towards those that I know I can uh, help, you know, in some way or, or care for. And so it seems to me that um, Jesus never has permissive love or love from a helpless place. And so he, um, and there seems to be a lot of boundaries around the way that he helps people, mm. you know, with the the guy um, by the pool, um, Bethesda, I think is the pool. He you know, the guy is making complaints about why he isn't healed and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and Jesus just asks him, him a really powerful question. Yeah. And he just says, do you want to be well? Mm. And that's a really powerful question that we can ask people. Yeah. And, and so um, redemptive love is love that actually asks that question, do you want to be well? And if the response is, yes, I want to be well, then then A, we know the the person who can bring the healing into yep. that person but it's the whole thing like you can't you can't uh want someone to be well more than they want it yeah and we expend so much energy when we if we end up in that place we expend so much energy and emotional turmoil yeah. for someone who doesn't necessarily want to be well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 the hardest thing is is just going okay mm. i can't make you well I can't lead you where you don't want to go I can't you know I and I guess just just being able to continually model Christ model Jesus um, that's all we can do that's right all right you want the second question yeah all right what would this message look like by next Sunday if we're living it this week yeah, that's a good question. I, I feel like uh, one week is a really short time um, because there's a lot of transformation that has to take place for us to really live mm. out this message. I mean, this is, um, this you know, spiritual formation, spiritual maturity is the journey of a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, like I said, it, you know, for our last series, becoming the, the biggest hindrance to us becoming more like Jesus is thinking we've arrived. Yeah. Um, you know. And every time you think you've arrived, God's like, mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so, you know, that's a, a short time span. But I, I think it would it would look like our last series. Mm. If we were to really live out this message where we are, and, and you'll see in this next chapter, 
because Paul was continuing one continuous mm. thought, and he starts to lead into this um, poem in chapter two, which we're going to look at this week. But he starts it by saying, in, in all of your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ. Yeah. And then he gives us this poem. Um, and the poem this is centered, it's, it, A, it's centered around the crucifixion of Jesus. It's centered around Jesus. But the whole, the whole setup is humility. Mm. That, that this is the Christ who has emptied all of you know his status and all of the things that he could have uh, brought mm. you know that would have given him power and and you know all of that sort of he's emptied himself of all of that and has gone to the cross yep. um, you know and that and then and then invites us to follow him mm. in that way and so I think what does it look like it looks like serving one another it looks like humility yep. it looks like thinking of others more than ourselves. Mm. Um, and I think it looks like intentionality as well. You know, when we when we gather together, are we intentionally thinking about what is it that I carry, and how am I going to carry it today? Mm. Or are we going to come and just be disengaged on our phones during the message, or you know, disengaged, um, you know, when we're when it's time for, you know, even communion. I think as well. You know, that this is our common union together. Mm. I love. I love it when I see people praying for one another around communion. It was, you know, for me, I, like, this is the time where we remember Christ. Yeah. And I just feel like every time I come to Jesus, whilst I'm putting my attention and affection on him, he turns around and says, would you put your attention and affection on my people? Yeah. You know, and so if I'm genuinely moving towards Jesus in that place of attention and affection, it will look like me loving other people mm, more. That's really good. And so if I'm just coming to the table every week, you know, mm. a just because I think that's where my sins get forgiven or something like you know, <laughs> like or or just coming, you know, because it's just about me and Jesus. I think we've kind of missed it a little bit. Mm. So I, I think it would look it would look like tangible love in the room feel like tangible love in the room. Yeah. Is anyone else challenged by that? <laughs> challenged on the side of the desk. Well, I'm, ch- I'm challenged by it, you know, because yeah. I'm I'm an introvert. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm naturally sh- shy around people. And so mm. me thinking outside of the, the box there uh, around communion time, is uh, that's a challenge for me as well, you know, and... Um, but it looks like being intentional, you know. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, I just I just saw a couple, and I just had a a word for them. I went over and prayed for them, and the word that I had for them was so specific to them for their week Great. that it just blew me away. You know what I mean? Cool, I'm like, yeah. well, that you know. But it was just I saw them across the room. Um, not a couple that I interact with a huge amount, um, and but in that moment, cool. there was this word for them that was that was really meaningful mm. for them. And um, but I could have just spotted them across the room and prayed from where I am. You know what that's I mean? True, that's but true. I walked across the room. That's that's really good. And because I know that for me during worship, often I am praying for people during worship. And yeah, what actually, Sarah, if you get out of your seat, go pray for that person you're praying for. Yeah. How'd that look? Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, it's good. 
intentionality. Imagine how messy that would be on Sundays and how <laughs> awesome, how awesome that's right, that would that's be. That's right. And because and there's an organicness to it. Because, you know, if you were to say, okay, we're going to move your chairs into circles, we're going to do communion. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want that. No. But, but what if this love that has been shed abroad in our hearts was so tangible that we couldn't help ourselves? Yeah. You know, like, ah. Uh, and actually just to recognise God's put that person on your heart right now for a reason. Mm. Don't keep it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think even not just combined to Sundays, you know, if you think of someone during the week, flick them a message. Yeah. If you're praying for someone, let them know. Write, type that prayer out if you have to and send it to yeah. them. I'm believing this for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that intentionality is, is, you know, you see that with Paul as well, eh? Yeah. That intention, I'm specifically praying for you. Yeah. You know, there was this real intentionality with Paul. And, um, you know, I've been personally challenged by that this week. I'm a classic for people saying, hey, can you pray for me? And me going, yeah, I'm praying for you, <laughs> you know? like, But, but am I actually mm. intentionally praying? Yeah. Um, and I've sort of resolved... Like that, I will never say yes. I'll pray for you and not do it mm. because that is um, inauthentic. That's it. You know, like let's just maybe we should just be a bit more honest and say, yeah. "Hey, um, that sucks that you're going through that, but honestly, I'm not going to pray for you." <laughs> like, yeah. Do you, do you know? Do you know? Or what I'm I really mean? good. Yeah, I'm really good. Maybe praying for them there and there. If someone sends me a message, I can you know pray for a little bit for them there and there, and then I forget to ongoing. Yeah, yeah, keep praying for them. I've heard like Annie Cameron, she's really good with um, pastoral stuff. I remember her saying once that, you know, she would commit to praying for someone every time she was brushing her teeth or right. every time she's getting into a car and buckling in, she'd be praying for someone. Like, So she connected the praying for people with like an activity. And like Fiona, she prays for her kids' church when she's in her car. She's the one that goes off when yeah. she's doing the school run. That's when she prays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She prays for all her leaders every, every week. That's right. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. Imagine if, like I said on Sunday, you know, mm. imagine if everyone in our church was getting prayed for specifically by someone every yeah. week, you know. And so I, I've just made it, uh, you know, for me with my squad, the guys in my squad, I'm specifically going to pray for That's them great. every week. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, th- I guess what would it look like? We could we could have so many ideas about what it would look like. It would look like all of the things described in the, yeah. you know. Um, in the epistles uh, that Paul was calling the church up into. But I think as well, we also, it's helpful to remember that uh, that Paul was having to do that. Mm. You know, he was, in some of the epistles, he's having to rebuke them and say, hey, you're missing, you're missing it here. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes he's saying you've, you've made something matter more than what matters most, you know, and, and sometimes, and with, and, then with the letter to the Philippians, it seems that he's just he's just encouraging them more. Yeah. You know, you you're doing a great job at loving one another, but man, I'm praying that there is even more love. That's great. You know, that that you guys would just grow in this mm-hmm. love and you know, and so I think that's you know, that's my prayer for our church. You know, imagine if a new person walked in and, and it was just this messy <laughs> people, you know, praying for one another and just loving one another and worshiping Jesus. And I mean, they would walk in and go, "Wow, what the heck is going on here?" But man, it feels like love in this yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think that would be pretty cool. It'd be amazing. Mm. Or even just 
uh, I think as a church, you know, we're not always great at asking people to sit with us. Could we start there? Yeah, yeah. Ask someone their story, get to know them. Yeah. Why are you here this morning? Yeah, you know, how how'd you get here? Totally. I mean, I, I always think that the first act of love is to listen. Yeah, that's right. You know, so what would it look like to, um, to listen to someone's story instead of telling someone like your week or, you know, mm. going up to someone and say, hey, How's your week been? I always feel like it's a win for me, maybe because I am an extrovert. It's a win for me if I've managed to have a conversation with someone and really drawn out of them. Right. And not had to contribute necessarily my half, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that's how people feel loved. I've, I've been seen, I've been known. Yeah. 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 And, and so there's a difference between, between talking to someone and having a conversation and listening mm. and allowing them to be heard yeah yeah and I think that's really important and, and I, I mean this will I'll probably be speaking a bit more about this stuff as we head into the um, sexuality and the gospel you know because really I mean one of the big things on my heart is is uh, you know how do we pass to the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. um, you know there's a whole lot of debates about whether you know Oh, you know, we should or shouldn't accept or should or shouldn't, yeah. you know, and I just feel like they were all missing. It's like, no, how do we pastor them? Mm. They're people. That's right. They're people that Jesus loves. Made in the image of God. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, we'll get we'll get on to that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, so, yeah, that's what it would, I don't know, it's some thoughts around what it might look like, but yeah. All I know that whatever it might look like on the outside, I know that it will feel like love. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope this has uh, been helpful, challenging. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's a good question you can ask in your squads this week as you get together. You know, what what would this look like? What would it look like in our squad? Yeah. You know, that was a question that I asked our squad last time we got together is, you know, around the intentionality of praying for one another and what does it actually look like for us to love one another because yeah. we're a group of guys who are all reasonably similarly introverted and so you know we we had uh, one of the guys in our group who went through something quite tragic in his life and I checked in with him you know obviously I'd caught up with him and and we you know um, outside of squad and I'd you know done that but I realized after a couple of weeks that none of the other guys knew Wow. Until I sort of brought it up in the squad and said, hey, hey, how's this going? And everyone was like, oh my goodness, we didn't know. You know, it's like, oh, actually there's something missing here yeah. that we've, we've missed been this opportunity to care for someone mm. in our squad. And so so maybe that's a good question that you can ask. Hey, what does it look like to love one another? What does it look like if we were living this? Yeah. Thinking of each other more than we think of ourselves and that kind of thing. So it's good. Yeah. Awesome, well, have a great week and be blessed. <laughs>